This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Good morning. Our first Bible reading today is from John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. On the third day, he was, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples also had been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars from the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second Bible reading is from Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 18 to 29. You have not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that another word be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable, innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse the one who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we reject the one who warns from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of what is shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks, by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For indeed, our God is a consuming fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Well, good morning. Let's pray. Give us grace, O Lord, not only to hear your word with our ears, but also to receive it into our hearts and to show it forth in our lives for the glory of your great name. Amen. Please do sit down and uh, let me just say with Tim, it's just really wonderful. It kind of feels human to be back with other humans in the building. Not to say that Tim and Sophie and Georgina weren't humans when we were here before. Uh, no offence to those people. But it's great to have you all, uh, you all back. And it's great that uh, no, a, number of, a number of people, at least 13 or 14 people, are, well, at least screens are watching with us today. So welcome to you as well. And brothers and sisters in Christ, as we gather here today, I want to remind us that the one around whom we gather is a consuming fire. And as I said, it's truly lovely to see you all again, but this is more than just a reunion of old friends. We've been apart for more than four months. I can't tell you what a joy it is to be reunited, even in this provisional way, and even though there are some who cannot yet be with us in person. And it is fitting that we've come back together on a day that we're celebrating anyway, not as Halloween, but as All Saints Day, which is technically tomorrow, but we thought we'd put it forward a day. It's a day when we remind each other that in our gathering here today, with all the caveats and restrictions, with the absences felt as keenly as the presences, we are actually only a part of an extraordinary gathering in heaven. What we do here is a foretaste, a shadow of the gathering of which we are already a part in heaven. And it's the one around whom we gather that makes it different. As our passage says today, our God is a consuming fire. Now, our great city was once divided by its harbour. You might say, if you've got something about the North Shore, a chip on your shoulder about them, it's still divided by the harbour, but it used to be the case that physically it was divided about, uh, by the harbour and that to go to North Sydney, which you can see as the, clo- the crow flies, is only a couple of kilometres away, it was a matter of either getting a ferry or of clip-clopping your horse all the way round to Parramatta, which would be a long trip indeed. The gulf that separated the two sides was very large and very inconvenient. And so the building of the Harbour Bridge was an enormous effort that took six years, 16 lives, six million hand-driven rivets and 60 years to pay off. When it finally opened in 1932 and my grandfather Arthur and 100,000 others walked across it on that first day, It was indeed a miracle that changed the lives of Sydney-siders. But today, of course, you barely notice that it's there. We can zip back and forth in a matter of a few seconds without any regard to distance or inconvenience or what what a great chasm has been bridged by the building of that building. Likewise, we are prone to forget that if we know God and we speak to him in our prayers, if we come before him and meet with his people, if we hear his word, it is not because things are naturally like that. Our God is a consuming fire. He is utter purity, utter holiness. By rights, we should be more afraid of him than the virus, by far. We should indeed be hesitant about gathering in his presence, lest his fire consume us. But as we'll see from today's passage, something has changed. A bridge has been built for us. 
so that we need not tremble with fright, but instead gather with gratitude and awe, with our hearts full and our ears open. So first of all, let's come to this first, there's a story of two mountains. Let's first of all come to the first mountain. Just wondering if, this, if on the screen, maybe they could go back to, the, uh, to verses uh, 19 to 21, or 18 to 21, um, if they're able to. But that's... Um, uh, that might help us, because I know some people didn't get the leaflet, that's all. Um, so this, our text doesn't talk about bridges, but about mountains, two very different mountains. The first mountain is the mountain Christians haven't come to, and the second mountain is the mountain we have come to. So what's the meaning of this first mountain? Well, our author says this, you have not come to something, a mountain, that can be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom, and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that another word not be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, Moses, I tremble with fear. Now, what's this talking about? This mountain was the mountain that Israel came to in the desert in the days of the Exodus. They gathered around Mount Sinai. You've heard of Mount Sinai, where God made a covenant with his people and where he handed them the Ten Commandments. And here, at that mountain, God was showing them his true character. As the people gathered round, he was on the top of the mountain. The mountain was clothed with clouds and smoke, and there was thunder and there was lightning. It was an awe-inspiring sight. And though it was a blessing to be gathered around God, it was also terrifying when you knew what he was like. Because God was purer and more terrible than they had ever imagined. And what was the response, even from the great Moses? Well, it was fear. It was abject terror. The Israelites begged God to stop speaking to them because they could not bear it. Stop speaking to me. Not because I'm bored of you talking to me, but because the more you talk to me, God, the more your searing presence exposes me for who I really am, the more I see how devastatingly unclean I am next to you in all your searing purity. This is what the holiness of God was like. Terrifying, because it exposed human sinfulness against to God's, next to God's goodness. And we're scared of many things in this life, many things make us feel insecure. We fear the things that threaten our finances. We fear the opinions of others and of not being accepted by them, human judgment. We fear sickness and we fear loneliness. Ah, many people will be celebrating Halloween today and it's cast as a festival of facing our fears in one way, but in another way, it, it just trivializes them by making them into plastic and pumpkins. It's an avoidance of our true fears. But if we were to know God, if we were to know him as Israel knew him, if we were to have the encounter they had, then we would really know what it is to fear. Even Moses, the great Moses, was trembling, for this was the mountain of judgment. But this is the mountain we haven't come to. Our meeting with God today is very different. We meet at the mountain of joy. Now that past mountain, Sinai, great though it was, produced fear. We've come to this other mountain 
It's a very different mountain because it's a mountain that can be touched, can, cannot be touched. You can see from the opening verse, from verse 18, he says, you've not come to a mountain that can be touched. Why? Because it is a heavenly mountain. It is not merely a second Sinai, this mountain. In fact, this mountain, says our author, is a heavenly Mount Zion. Now, the earthly Zion is the hill on which the royal city of Jerusalem is built and on which today, even now, it still stands. That was the capital city of David's royal family and was also the place where the great temple was built in which the sacrifices took place. Now, this second mountain of our passage is like that earthly Zion, but is something else again. It is the heavenly Jerusalem. And it is to this city that we have come. Our author says, we have come to this city to join with a great crowd of angels in joyful assembly and to join with all those who have been Christian before us around the heavenly throne. And what does this mean? Well, the key is in verse 24. He says, you have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. God has not changed. God has not changed. He is, he is a fire. He is still the judge of all people on this mountain as well as the first one. But we have come to this spiritual heavenly mountain because we have come through Jesus. The Jesus who is the mediator of a new way of relating to God, a new covenant. Now what is a, a mediator? A mediator is a person who reconciles people. A mediator, you might say, is a bridge, our harbour side, our harbour bridge reconciled, mediated between north and south of parts of Sydney. And Jesus is our mediator, reconciling us to God, introducing for us a new order of things between us and God, bringing mercy and forgiveness and cleansing. For Jesus... A man like us, a human being, can stand before God in his perfect obedience, can walk into the very throne room of God, can talk with God face to face and with him as our representative before God, as the mediator, the bridge. We can say we have come into a new way of being with God in which our trembling fear and uncertainty can be put away. And his blood... His blood is different. The blood of Abel, do you remember? That blood cried out for vengeance from the ground because Cain had killed him. Jesus' blood speaks a better word. Not a word of vengeance, but a word of grace and mercy. For his blood cleanses us. We are secure with God in Jesus in a way in which even Moses didn't know. The greatest thing that a sinful human being could ever fear. Being exposed to the purity and holiness of God himself is not now something we need fear because we have a mediator. We have our bridge, Jesus Christ. We now gather on this heavenly mountain in this extraordinary assembly alongside the angels with the saints as saints because we have in him our mediator. But this does not mean we can take 
God for granted. So the writer reminds us, he says, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If God's great mercy in Jesus is greater than his good command in Moses, then rejecting his word of, Moses, his word of mercy is far worse than rejecting his word of command. If in the past the people of God were, not, were judged for not listening to the word of God, then how much more are we who have an unmistakable and supreme revelation of God in Jesus Christ to be judged, to be held accountable for not now listening to him, for not heeding his voice? Our author reminds us in verse 26, in the past, at the first mountain, God's voice shook the very earth itself. But that was only a foretaste of what is to come, for indeed the heavens and the earth themselves will be shaken. All things will be shaken. There will be a day, this is now in verse 27, when the whole created order comes under God's hammer, as the prophets have foretold. There will be a day when God sifts all things when he seeks to discover those things that are unshakable and only those things will remain. We face a great day of reckoning. We face a day when it will matter what we have built our lives upon, whether we stand upon secure foundations or not. Created things will not bear the weight of the shaking that is to come, and so we dare not trust in them. But, says our author, do not fear. For if you are in Christ, you have come to a place that cannot be shaken. You have received a kingdom that cannot be moved. There is a heavenly city. Jesus is in the midst of that heavenly city and she cannot be moved. Because Jesus Christ stands for us with God. We are safe in our stronghold, secure and confident. God is indeed our refuge and strength. So what's the right response to life on this second mountain? Well, Moses was right to tremble with fear at the first mountain. And it's not as if God has changed. God is still a consuming fire. He's not a tiger in the Old Testament and a poodle in the New Testament. There's that great passage, I know I've mentioned it before, from C.S. Lewis's terrific books, and particularly the the most famous of all his books, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And of course, the lion in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe is Aslan, uh, the great symbol of of Christ and God. And uh, the children of the book uh, meet, they're uh, they're talking to Mr. Beaver, Mr. Beaver, and Mr. Beaver tells them, the talking animals in this book, and Mr. Beaver tells them about Aslan. And uh, Lucy says to Mr. Beaver, she says, is he safe? Because he's a lion. How can he, you know, uh, that, that sounds terrifying to me. And Mr. Beaver says, in words I've never forgotten, safe? Of course he's not safe. But he's good. Now, God is not safe. He is not domesticated. But he is good. God is not now tamed, but this dangerous lion, this wildfire is for us. We know that we have really come into his presence and that we gather with the angels and the saints of heaven around his throne. 
His fire now warms us, purifies us, gives us light and life. From that fire, we know his loving heart. So what are we now to do? What are we at St. Mark's now to do knowing this? Well, we've got a great chance now by the grace of God to reset, to rethink, to recall what we're really about. And the author to the letter of the Hebrews wants us to do two things in particular, which I think are great for us at St. Mark's to, to, to come back to. And they are that he wants us to listen and he wants us to give thanks. So listen. God is speaking to you today. The voice of God, his word is living and active. He is speaking through his son, his unchanging word, through Jesus Christ. And in the book about him, his word is the most dynamic power that there is. So we need more than ever, St. Mark's, to commit to listening to his transforming, life-giving word. Let us renew our commitment to be Christians with open ears, ready to let God's word in. Martin Luther, the great reformer, once said, the ears alone are the organ of the Christian. I can imagine sort of a picture, like that's a kind of cartoon picture of us all walking around with gigantic ears. There's something right about that. We are those who hear his voice, who listen. So what do we do at St. Mark's? We're a book club with one book. We open the Bible. We pour over it. We question it. We ponder it. We teach it. We seek to live it and apply it to, every, to everything. We want to have it live not just in our heads, but in our hearts, and for it to be shown in what we do with our hands, because the awesome God is speaking to us. And so how dare we not listen up? And that's why God's word is at the center of what we do on Sundays. It's why we are people who want to read the word of God every day. We pick up the Bible. It's why we gather in connect groups with the Bible open. It's why we put so much energy into kids and youth ministry, because we want young people to hear the word of God. That's why that's a real theme for us. That's why we want others to hear God's word too, so that they join us in this heavenly Jerusalem, so that they hear his voice. I want to challenge us all as a community to go deeper with God, to listen to him more profoundly than ever before in 2022. So how is it going to be for you? What are you going to do to really listen to what our Lord is saying to us over the next 12 months? And as you listen, the second thing that needs to mark us out is that we need to be thankful. As our author says in verse 28, be thankful. What other response could there be to this marvelous news? Proper gratitude is the only thing we really have to return to God after all he has done for us in Christ. It's the only thing, the only response that makes sense. True gratitude is the proper complement of grace. It's the right way to receive something you cannot and should not pay for. And it means accepting the goodness of the gift and your need for it. Remember, we're not back there with Moses at Mount Sinai, trembling, shaking with fear, hoping that we don't get too close to God. We are those who have access to the throne room of God himself and know him not just in his purity, but in his mercy. Thanks be to God. 
This then is now our second challenge. To give thanks to the Holy God, not only with our lips, but in our lives. If we know the depths of the riches of His grace, then our hearts will overflow with thanks. We will be a people whose thankfulness is visible in the warmth of our welcome to those who are new among us and in our desire to share the good news with those who do not know it here in this area. That is why at St. Mark's we are going to remodel our hall spaces so that they are more welcoming and inviting places for people of all generations. We want them to be visible expressions of our gratitude to God and of our desire to listen to Him. And it's why we're appointing a new assistant minister whose particular focus will be helping us share the good news with our community, passing on that word that we have heard and to which we have responded with gratitude. There's more exciting news to share with you in the coming months. But the bottom line is, we're investing in these things. We're committing to them because we're thankful to God for all He has blessed us with in Jesus Christ. For in Jesus Christ we have the mediator of a new covenant. For in him we have come to not to that first terrifying mountain, but to the second mountain, that mountain of extraordinary assembly with all the angels in their throng and all the saints of heaven. There we are, there we belong. That is where we now are. We've gathered not today, not just here in Darling Point, but around that extraordinary in that extraordinary scene in heaven, around that throne. So let us give thanks to God always, worship Him with reverence and awe, and listen to Him, for indeed our God is a consuming fire. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.